You're listening to Immaculate Conception Podcasts, recorded every Sunday at the 11 o'clock Mass at our new church located at 411 Palma Road in Columbia, Illinois. For more information about Immaculate Conception, please go to www.icc-columbia-il.us. Our pastor is Father Carl Shear. And now, enjoy the podcast. The story is told about a priest who was given his Sunday homily using lots of dramatic gestures. At one point, he inadvertently knocked his typed text off the pulpit onto the floor, and the papers flew in all directions. So he hurriedly tried to pick them all back up and get the pages back in the right order. And as he did so, he whispered to himself, Now, where was I? And the very sensitive microphone picked up his words so that the entire church could hear. And one man shouted out from the back, Father, you were near the end. (laughs) With today's solemnity of Christ the King, we come to the end of our liturgical year. And in today's very familiar gospel passage from Matthew 25, Jesus tells us what will happen at the end of time. This solemnity of Christ the King was established and instituted into the church's liturgical calendar by Pope Pius XI in 1925 to, as he said, bring Christ, his rule and Christian values into the lives of Christians, into society and into politics. The church brings this liturgical year to an end by proclaiming that Christ and Christ alone is the one who must reign in our hearts and rule over our lives day after day, year after year. And we're reminded today in the gospel from Matthew that when Christ the King returns at the end of time, only those who have treated the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the ill, the imprisoned, and the least of our sisters and brothers, like royalty, will be judged worthy to enter into his kingdom. A kingdom made up not of wealth, power, or might, but a kingdom made up of truth and life, holiness and grace, justice, love, and peace. Indeed, these words of Christ our King are quite challenging for each one of us, as individual disciples, and also quite challenging for us as a parish and as a universal church. We are all pretty willing to bring food and clothing to our food and clothing drives. We visit the sick, we send them get well cards, and we pray for them. We seek to be welcoming to all who come here to worship with us each weekend. And we support Father Chris and his prison ministry But the real challenge of these words of Jesus in today's gospel is to be advocates for changing those structures that keep people poor and hungry. To be advocates for good health care for all that enables the sick to receive the affordable health care that they need that is their right. And to be advocates for genuine prison reform that focuses more upon rehabilitation than retribution and to be advocates for immigration reform so that strangers coming to this land seeking a better life and escaping violence and war might be welcomed. 
This is why the United States bishops have a Catholic Conference of Catholic bishops, and why the Illinois bishops have an Illinois Catholic Conference to help implement gospel values into the life of our society. Our way as a church of contributing to the common good, to be advocates for human life and human dignity, which is not just our right, but our responsibility. As Pope Francis himself reminds us in his 2013 apostolic exhortation titled The Joy of the Gospel, all Christians are called to show concern for the building of a better world. Let us not forget, he continues, that responsible citizenship is a virtue and participation in political life is a moral obligation. This is why Pope Paul VI, Pope John Paul II, Pope Benedict XVI, and Pope Francis have all spoken at the United Nations Assembly to promote justice and peace for all citizens of the world. It was the late Dorothy Day, a Catholic advocate for social justice, who once said, when I feed the poor and the hungry, they call me a saint. But I, when I seek to change the social structures that keep them poor and hungry, they call me a communist. Certainly, the church does not seek to establish a theocracy. In fact, all Catholic clergy are forbidden to hold any elected or appointed office in local, state, or national governance. Nor does the church ever promote any political candidate or affiliate itself with any political party. The church respects the rightful role of the elected leaders of government. But as disciples of Jesus, we have a civic responsibility as well as an individual moral responsibility to care for the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, care for the sick, visit the imprisoned, and to take care of the least among us. And we must be their advocates for systemic change in our society and in our world. We must proclaim the gospel, the good news of God's love and compassion, both in word and in deed. And again, lest we forget, this is why Pope Pius XI instituted this feast in 1925 when he said, to bring Christ, his rule and Christian values into the lives of Christians, into society and into politics. Recently, Bishop Braxton in the Messenger Diocesan newspaper published a homily he gave to all Catholic school teachers and administrators at their fall conference, reminding them and all of us that to be silent about important issues is to imply complicity. He talked about two prevalent issues before us at the present time. The first that he addressed is that in the fall of this year, the state of Illinois legislators passed House Bill 40, authorizing the use of taxpayer monies to pay for elective abortions for Medicaid participants and state employees. Again, Bishop Braxton reminds us that silence implies complicity. We must be advocates for the God-given right to life for the unborn and of all human beings. And so the Illinois bishops encourage us to contact 
our state representatives in the legislature to express our displeasure with this affront to our religious freedom. And maybe down the road, the bishops and all the clergy will have to start withholding our state taxes until this law is repealed to express our displeasure and that we do take the gospel values seriously. Otherwise, we will seem to be giving our consent to this moral outrage. And in that same homily, Bishop Braxton addressed another issue. He reminded all the Catholic school teachers, administrators in the diocese present that day, and all of us, that on September the 5th, the United States bishops expressed their very strong disapproval of the cancellation of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, known as the DACA program, calling it reprehensible because it causes unnecessary fear for youth and their families, youth who came here as young children, as immigrants, and were given legal status and have established for themselves a productive life as members of our country. Bishop Braxton and all the United States bishops encourage us all to contact our representatives in Congress to urge the passage of the DREAM Act or similar legislation. Mindful of the words of Pope Francis himself, who said, it is time to stop treating our immigrants as pawns on the chessboard of humanity. These are just two examples of how we are called to take today's gospel values and apply them to real life issues locally nationally and globally. This is what it means to proclaim Christ to be our King and to let him and him alone reign in our hearts and rule over our lives. This past Thursday, November the 23rd, which also happened to be our Thanksgiving holiday, was the feast of, pa of Padre Miguel Pro, a Mexican priest who was a strong advocate for religious freedom during a period of religious persecution in Mexico in the early part of the 20th century. And he was accused of plotting against the government. And on November the 23rd, 1927, he was executed by a firing squad while exclaiming, long live Christ the King, long live Christ the King. What an inspiration he is to all priests and to all Christians. Today's feast and today's gospel challenge each and every one of us not just to talk the talk, but to walk the walk. We must recognize Christ our King present in each and every person, especially the least of our sisters and brothers, and treat them all like royalty so that through us, and our political advocacy for them, they and all the world may come to know that God is good all the time. All the time.